God wants for your life. And uh, you will have chose the cross over the crowd. And uh, so over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be doing a series called Don't Waste Your Life. And what that means is that the only way to not waste your life is to live a life that's fully devoted to Christ. One that is caught up in a passion to serve Him. One, is, one that is caught up in a passion to love Him. One that is caught up in a passion to follow Him with every ounce of your being. And so we, we have this idea of, for a few weeks at least, let's, let's go ahead and bring up three of our own leaders. And, uh, and you can hear their stories about how they um, came to follow Christ and how they chose to not waste their life uh, with the life that God has given them. So this morning, uh, we're going to welcome three of our uh, great leaders. Um, we've got my wife. You guys can go, go ahead and come on up. My wife, Courtney. Uh, Mary, who's one of our new summer interns here for the summer. And then we have Skeeta Jenkins, who has uh, been instrumental in helping us lead Life Hurts God Heals, along with uh, working with um, last year's freshman class. And uh, each one of these guys and girls have been incredible as they've worked with us. And um, and so we're going to do kind of like a little talk show format, so to speak. It'll be kind of like Oprah. All right? Um, everyone's going to cry. Uh, if you look under your chair, you have a prize. No, I'm kidding. Not really. Um, a new car for everybody. I don't know who's, but it's on the parking lot. You can go try to get into it. Um, but anyway, so I'm just going to basically throw out a question that they've had some time to prepare for, and uh, they're going to answer as best they can about their own lives. I'm um, not sure how long this will take. We're not going to keep you here too long past 3 o'clock today. Uh, but... But we should, uh, we'll see how far we get into this and see if we make any adjustments as the weeks progress. So I guess, Courtney, since you're closest to me, um, you can start off. The first question that I asked them to prepare for is, uh, is this. In what ways were you tempted to waste your life before you knew Christ? So just answer and pass the mic down. Well, um, for me, for me, I don't think I was tempted to waste my life. I think I, I did waste my life. There was no temptation there. I just completely gave into it. So, uh, for me, it started out innocently enough. Probably many of you have felt this way. Um, I didn't feel like I fit in. I didn't feel like I belonged. Um, didn't feel like I had friendships, um, and that people liked me. And so, from that developed this kind of insecurity that I don't fit in, people don't like me, and became very uh, consumed with that. You know, out of insecurity, we can become very selfish, self-consumed people. And I think that that began around the junior high years for me. Um, And so from that little seed of not feeling like I had friendships, not feeling like I belonged, began this doubt and lack of faith that began to fester in my life, that God did not uh, care about my circumstances, that God uh, was not there to protect me, that he was not looking for uh, out for me. And so from that belief, much like Eve, when she felt like God was holding out from her in the garden with this one tree that they couldn't have, I felt like God was holding out on me. You know, you don't, you don't care about me. And from that developed this pride. You know, God, I can do a better job than you can of fixing my life, of finding me friends, of fitting in belonging. And from that became the sin of me kind of taking things out of God's hands and saying, I can do better than you can. And so I began to, through 
changing my image, through changing my personality, to change myself so that people would like me. In junior high, what that looked like was I became the clown. I thought, well, if I don't have the right clothes and I'm not cool enough, like, I'll at least be funny. And so, and it worked for a while. It was short-lived, but it did work for a while. And some of the cool kids liked me. They fit, you know, kind of accepted me to some extent into their circle. And as that began to develop, you know, there was still this sense of, I'm doing this. I'm fixing this. I'm in control here, God. Became less and less of relying on him, less and less of seeking him and crying out to him and trusting him. And in high school, what that looked like was, it was still a, a sense of, I don't fit in, I don't belong. And in high school, there was this group of kids that they weren't trying to fit in. They weren't trying to belong. In fact, they completely rejected that. They were like, oh, well, the cool people are stupid anyway. So we're just going to kind of form our own little group. And that happened to be kind of the theater, artistic, uh, more creative group of people. Um, and they completely accepted me. I didn't have to change anything. They just accepted me as is. Well, the problem with that was a lot of them used drugs. A lot of them drank. A lot of them were gay or bisexual. And all of those types of, of group began to welcome me in. And I just completely was so exhausted from trying to fit in that I just fell hook, line, and sinker into that group. But I really want to emphasize, you know, it's easy for us as adults and parents to kind of say, oh, well, it's a group you hang out with that made you fall. But, yes, that was part of it, but it was my pride. It was my pride that led to everything else. It was my pride that later led to me drinking very heavily for a time. It was my pride that led me to use drugs and, and to do many other things that completely led me away from God for five years of my life. Was this sense of, I'm not going to rely on you. I'm going to rely on my own measures to fix myself. Um, and that led for me to be so selfish, so self-consumed, and I cannot explain how in every moment was a sense of me shouting, this is who I am, this is what I'm about, this is how cool I am. It was like every moment was a way to self-promote myself. And it didn't seem that way. I mean, like many of you, I was a very nice kid. I cared about people. I was the type of girl that wanted to rescue people, help people. But out of that, it was a sense of in helping you, it feeds me. It was a very selfishly driven desire that when I fix people, I feel better about myself. So it was really, in essence, still all about me. And I think if I can say, uh, you know, yes, using drugs and alcohol and all that was a waste of my life, but also being so self-consumed that I could not see to the needs and hurts of other people, that every moment was about me. If I walked into a room and felt insecure, it was, you know, oh, I feel so insecure. It was like even the insecurity made me feel self-consumed. So I think in that way, that is how I would say I wasted my life. All right. Um, for me, I didn't really grow up in a church, and my parents got divorced when I was in sixth grade. Um, just a lot of my family stuff it is really complicated, and my mom... Um, just the divorce was really bad, and just a lot of stuff happened, and my mom ended up moving away. So I just dealt with a lot of abandonment issues, I guess you would say, um, just feeling that, you know, I wasn't even good enough for my mom to stick around and be with me. You know, she had to, you know, go and, you know, leave my dad, who in actuality isn't my birth father, but he's my dad who adopted me and raised me. Um, 
I didn't meet my birth father till I was a sophomore in high school. So as you can kind of get the gist, my family life is just really crazy. But um, so just feeling like I wasn't good enough for people, for, for anybody. And, I mean, that kind of was always in the back of my mind. But, I mean, I was a good kid, you know, a happy person and everything. And, you know, um, in junior high, I was, you know, I was in Florida and then Texas and then back to Florida and then stayed in Florida. Um, and so, you know, I, I made friends there and stuff like that. But when I was out here, I didn't really have friends because I was only here for a year. Um, so I, I didn't really get into too much trouble or anything during junior high because I was just really hanging with my family. Um, but when I got into high school, you know, I, I had a good group of friends. Most of the people I hung out with were good, you know, didn't drink, didn't do drugs, any of that stuff. Um, most of that kind of stuff for me I guess wasting my life happened when I went to college um, after high school. Um, but during high school, um, my mom, she moved back to Florida. And uh, right before my senior year of high school, she moved back here to Texas. So, like, again, just, you know, oh, my mom's back, and now she's not. So it was just even more abandonment issues just going on with me. Um, it just in the back of my mind always, like I said, just always thinking, okay, well, I'm not really even good enough for my mom. So if I'm not good enough for my mom, then who can I be good enough for? Like, that's just what I always thought. Um, and then I was in a, a relationship with a guy, and he didn't help that any, you know, I always felt, you know, not good enough for him either just because of lots of things that happened in the relationship. So um, I just really dealt with that a lot, and um, that was always in the back of my mind, uh, no matter where I was, you know, or who I was with. Um, even though I had great friends, I mean, none of them were Christians. I wasn't a Christian. So, I mean, I didn't have any kind of hope in Christ, like, that, okay, you know, maybe these people aren't treating me like I'm a good person or that, you know, I'm worth anything, but I have Christ. I didn't have that to fall back on at that time. Um, so when I was in college, um, that, um, it led to me, um, sorry, it led to me um, to try and find ways to fill um to fill my life just with things that would keep me busy, to not think, really. Um, just going off and, you know, doing all kinds of things that, um, so much stuff that I regret and wish that, you know, I didn't do. But, I mean, it makes me who I am today. So it's just, it's more hard to forgive yourself. Um, so not feeling good enough. And then I started to, you know, just look at who I was becoming after um, high school. And I just, like, you know, this is not who I am. You know, I I started doing things that I said I would never do. I was doing them. And, you'll, you know, sometimes you'll say, oh, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. But, you know, as time goes on, things change. You hang out with different people. And you end up doing those very things you said that you would never do. And that was definitely me. Um, I wasted a lot of time of my life, I think, um, filling it with stuff that would never satisfy me, like, um, you know, drinking, and I had a lot of anger towards, you know, my mom and, and other people in my life that um, consumed me. It really consumed me. Um, so I wasted a lot of time and emotion on on anger and hate and um, and just being so hurt by other people that it caused me to be filled with with those emotions that just really tore me down because, you know, they're off living their life and here I am hating them and and being angry at them, but that's not affecting them, it's affecting me. 
Um, so I wasted a lot of time and energy and even money because I would go out and um, when I was in school, I, I was working, I had a decent job, but I would spend so much money going out and, you know, doing things that cost a lot of money and um, wasting money on, you know, just going out and getting drunk and, you know, doing other things that just, you know, didn't help me in the long run. It just left me wondering, you know, at the end of the day or the next morning, and I, I was just like, what is going on? What am I doing with my life? I, I don't even know who I am anymore. So I definitely wasted my life um, with a lot of emotion um, directed towards people that was not, I mean, it wasn't godly to have such anger and hate fill me and just the things that I was doing um, on a normal basis were just wasting my life away um, because I was not living for anything but those things that just left me high and dry at the end of the day. And I grew up in a in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which, well, I grew up in a town called Plaquemine, Louisiana, which is by Baton Rouge, and um, my dad left my mom when I was uh, two years old, and from the time I was two, I was an angry little boy, and I tell people that today, and they're like, no, not you, yeah, I was an angry little boy, always getting in fights, um, I was a class clown, that was my way of uh, fitting in. I was a class clown, always got in trouble in school, and uh, my life was headed nowhere. I mean, from the from as far as back as I can remember, I hated my father. My dad can be sitting in the room with me, and uh, I literally wish that, you know, every time I saw him, I wish he was dead. Uh, and sometimes I thought if there were a gun in the room while I was sitting next to my father, I would have picked it up and shot it. He really didn't, uh, he didn't know how to relate to me. My dad can be sitting where Courtney is and my grandmother sitting here. He talks through my grandmother to talk to me. So I really didn't have a relationship with my dad. And um, <clears throat> it was about in the fifth grade when I started playing sports. Sports was my way out. I used sports as, um, I lived to play football, I lived to play basketball, and I always kept myself in a sport so I didn't have to think about being angry, but I was an angry little boy. I was, I had a mask on. To you, I was one person, but um, that's a that's a song I heard before. It said it was inside that I cried, and oh man, I was crying on the inside. Um, but the interesting thing is, the Lord blessed me with two grandmothers that uh, loved the Lord. I mean, <clears throat> my paternal grandmother, um, she watched the soaps every day. Uh, young and the Restless, all my children. Yeah, the stories. Yeah, oh, the stories. Sorry. And um, I remember sitting sitting next to her rocking chair, and every time a commercial would come on, she would turn to me and talk about this this man they called Jesus Christ. And you know, for someone that didn't know Christ, she it it didn't matter. No matter, um, she always talked about it, whether I was listening or not. And um, one day, um, we, I came up really poor and uh, in the neighborhood with drugs and gangs. And uh, I remember one night we didn't have any food in the refrigerator. And my grandmother got on her knees and she said, Lord, I've done the best I could with what I have. I need you to step in and do the rest. I'm like, why is she talking to God? But the interesting thing was the next day, 
uh, one of our neighbors came over and uh, and brought some food. And my grandmother stopped, and she got on her knees, and she said, Thank you, Lord. I'm like, wait a minute. Why are you thanking the Lord? And this lady brought the food over. And that's just how her faith was, though. She believed that anything she prayed for, that he would supply her needs. And um, and that stuck with me. And she told me after that, she said, Baby, if that's ever anything you want or need, you could ask God. But I say, even me? You know, at that time, I did know the Lord, and it was about the age of 12, um, I got baptized, but I didn't get baptized because I knew who Jesus Christ was. I got baptized because all of my friends got baptized, and it was the thing to do at that time. So I really didn't know who Christ was, and um, still, a lot of anger and hate. Um, I got held back in the first grade because... Again, I didn't want to learn, and uh, parts of Louisiana, where I was from, there was a lot of prejudice. So um, I didn't want to learn. The teacher picked on me. Not picked on me, but she just said some things you shouldn't say to a child, like you'll never amount to anything. Uh, you know, you'll never amount to anything. Your parents are poor. They don't care for you. But the interesting thing was, every time my mom came up to the school, it was like, a different teacher. She was like, oh, he's trying so hard, this, that, and the other. So I could have learned, but I didn't want to learn. So in the fifth grade, I went back to being the class clown and just anything. That was my way of fitting in, making people laugh. I mean, I, I would do anything to make them laugh, talk back to the teacher, just say mean things, just so the class could laugh. And I ended up failing the fifth grade. But the interesting thing was when I got in high school, uh, about the junior year of high school, I was considered to be one of the, I broke out school record for receptions in football, and I was considered to be one of the best receivers the, in the top five receivers coming out of the state of Louisiana. And I could have went to any college I wanted to, but remember, I failed twice. So, well, I got held back and I failed in the fifth grade. You're talking about uh, when, I, when I was a junior, uh, all these schools wanted me. Well, they didn't know the next year was my senior year, so I couldn't play sports anymore. It was like my world had collapsed. Um, and the only way I can get a scholarship and go to college, the coach said, you have to, you have to quit school and take the GED. So that's what I did. I stopped school, and I took the GED, and I passed the GED, and I was offered a scholarship to go to school in uh, New Mexico. So I played my first two years of football at, in a school in New Mexico. But here's what happened. Uh, the grandma, my paternal grandmother that I was talking to you about, uh, she passed away. About five hours later, I get another call saying my favorite, one of my favorite uncles had a massive heart attack, and he may not make it. About two hours after that, I get another call saying my first cousin's, uh, one of his sons died at, at birth. And you're talking about your world feeling like it collapsed on you. But that was this little voice in me saying, you know, you've been doing things your way all this time. You have a choice to make. And some of you guys may come to a crossroad where you have a choice to make. But I had a choice to make. And that voice said, you can continue doing things the way you want to do, or you can choose to follow me. And it was at that point that I transferred to the University of Mayor Harden-Baylor and uh, 
that was like uh, just a new life to me because um, I, I was around people that knew the Lord and um, and I wanted to know have that personal relationship with the Lord. But skipping back back to New Mexico, I hung around with people that uh, a bunch of football players that did drugs and they drank and. Um, but I never did any of that. I don't know why. Well, it was the Lord. I don't. Um, I, ne- I never did drugs or drink, and I hung around these people, and they respected me for that. You know, I was the what they call the designated driver. Every time they go to a club and get drunk, uh, oh, Skeeter give us a ride home. So, yeah, and uh, yeah, you, you did say Skeeter, but they said uh, Skeeter would give us, a, and I and I did, and I took pleasure in doing that, but. Um, Going back to, I was just, I was just a lost little boy, and with without the Lord, um, and had a lot of anger built up in me. And when we get to that part of the section, I'll tell you what I did with that anger. Awesome, powerful stories. The next question is: What circumstances led you to follow Christ and desire more than a wasted life? <clears throat> I think for me it was just a, a deeper and deeper sense of emptiness. I think that um, during that period of being lost, towards the end, I mean, I would have conversations with God, even though I was not following Him at all. Every once in a while, I'd have these kind of prayers where I just feel like, God, I know, I know, my life is jacked up. It was like, but you know, I'm just kind of stuck. It was like at that point, the fun of it had passed. Uh, things were getting much darker with with my friendships, seeing things. I mean, I was seeing friends throw up blood from, you know, using alcohol and drugs so much. And just addictions develop in, in friendships. And it, it wasn't cool or fun or, you know, carefree anymore. It was, like, dark. And it felt dark. Like, when I was out in that world, it was like, man, I feel like... <laughs> like there's demons around the corner in the in the room almost because it just felt so uh just deep in sin and i think for me this two stories i'm about to tell really uh kind of differentiate between conviction versus brokenness i think the two are very different um God, I had gone to spend two weeks with my grandmother in Maryland house-sitting for one of our distant cousins. And I was kind of pulled away from all my friendships, from all of that, and was alone a lot. And was doing a lot of writing, going for long walks, reading a lot. None of it godly stuff. I mean, I was in no way seeking God at all. And one day I was laying out by the pool. I can't explain this. I know it kind of sounds like a weird thing, but... In that moment, I just felt the presence of God just fall on me. It was like he just dunked me in the pool. And in that split second, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, like, this is not the life I have for you. You are not living the life I have for you, and I can't show you what I have for you until you get out of this. And... I was just, it was like in that moment, I just went, oh, i got to stop. i got to stop this. i got to stop living this way. And 
<laughs> my pride still in full operation was just like, and probably many of y'all come into youth group going, you know, yeah, man, I got to get my life together, so I'm going to start going to church again. But there's still this complete reliance upon yourself, and and that was me. It was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm like screwing up. I've got bad friends, and I'm doing all this bad stuff, and I'm going to go back to college, you know, after the summer, and I'm going to stop doing that and stop doing this. And just thought, oh, thanks, God, for showing me that. And now I'll, I'll take the reins and I'll take charge and I'll fix it. Not relying on him, not crying out to him, not being broken in any sort of way. So what happens to go back to college, move into an apartment with a friend who had a raging eating disorder at the time, a raging drug and alcohol problem, and completely fell right back into it. Just, I mean, it was like probably gorging myself on that world at that point. Like it was the worst that could have happened that last six months. And so became more and more empty. I was working at a coffee shop at the time that had a lot of Christians working there. And I began to kind of open up to a few of them, kind of throw some things out. Like, can you handle this? Can you handle that? Like sharing with them. And they were like, yeah, you know, God can forgive you of that. And God can forgive you of that. And one night I went to a Christmas party that that coffee house had and the the owner was a Christian we went over to her house and this uh, Christian guy was singing some uh, Christmas songs and um, he sang he, he played one song that he had written and it was like God had that song just written for me I mean it was all about sin and coming back to the Lord and and all of that and I remember that night I felt just the weight of my sin and my my depravity just on me and I got back to my apartment and I'm not kidding I crawled up the stairs to my room and I just fell on my face and I just said God I have made a wreck of my life and I can't do it I can't fix it I can't make it better you have got to heal me and save me of this and it was like I'm not kidding from that moment forward Everything looked different. And it came about through God humbling me and God utterly, utterly breaking me. And for, from that point forward, things began to look different. And I began to live beyond myself, beyond my own selfish wants and desires, and to see that there was something more to life. So, um, For me, God definitely just put people in my life that he worked through and that he used really to um, to bring me to him. Uh, I had been to church some with uh, one of my aunts who goes to church and stuff and um, she's just an amazing woman of God and uh, she's, you know, her husband is also, he's an amazing man and um, I've even lived with them for short periods of time um, just when things in my life have been going crazy and I had nowhere to go they um, definitely opened up their door to me a, a few times um, but God put these two people in my life. Um, I refer to them as my spiritual parents, and um, like I still have touch with them, keep in touch with them, and um, they're just awesome people that uh, God used. Um, really, um, I, I wasn't going to church or doing anything, um, and then I went to my cousin's birthday party, and that's where I met them. He was the new youth pastor, and he wanted to get a praise band going, and my uncle told him, oh, well, she plays guitar, da 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 and told him about me, so my number got to him and he called me and he you know wanted to um 
have me playing this praise band. I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever, I guess. Gives me a chance to play my guitar with somebody. I don't really care. I don't, I mean, I didn't know, you know, anything about, you know, Christian songs or worship or anything. I was just there playing my guitar to play it. And um, while this was happening, I, you know, I was, um, you know, we had practice Saturday morning and then our service was Sunday evening. But when I was away from those two times, you know, my life was nowhere near what, you know, my life should have been if I was playing in a praise band. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, off doing, just, you know, just still doing all these things that were ungodly and not what, you know, someone who is up on stage portraying themselves to be a Christian should be doing. And um, eventually the praise leader, he found out about um, just, you know, the way that I was truly living outside of uh, Saturday morning and Sunday evening and, um, you know, called me out on it. You know, him and his wife just, you know, in love, they have been praying for me so much and they were feeding me God's word and I would just be like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, sure, that's great, I guess. I don't I don't really care about that, you know. I'm just playing my guitar here and um and so he called me out on it and uh I that was like in 2005 and I wasn't going to school I was just working at this time and I was just like okay yeah but I didn't have any desire to change yet um I got into a relationship with a guy and I mean he wasn't a Christian or anything so it was just it was really a pointless relationship and I went to go visit him because he lived a few hours away and um, they were those two they were just praying for me like I don't even they must have been praying for me the whole weekend because um, they were just praying that God would intervene and just do something so that I would change and that I would come to him because I needed I really did need him so desperately in my life but I didn't want to like go of that I just wanted to hold on to like all the anger and hate that I still had and just still continue to fill my time with stuff that was just leaving me broken at the end of the day um but this while I was visiting this guy he you know called it quits broke up with me whatever you want to call it and I had a few hour drive home and I just remember just bawling my eyes out and saying I don't have anything left I have nothing I have no one I have nothing to show for my life right now and the things I'm doing are things I said I would never do and it's just this life is nothing that I ever wanted um it was just nothing that I ever thought I would have come to. And um, so from then, like, I went to, I happened to go to this retreat the next weekend, like a week later, and that just really opened my eyes to um, just, like, the things that God can do and um, just what his forgiveness and love can do for your life. Um, I started um, reading my Bible because, uh, like, I had this Bible, sure, that I had bought, but it was just sitting somewhere. I don't even, it's a miracle that I probably even found it in my room or wherever it was that I, you know, was able to retrieve it from my life. I don't know, like, it's just a miracle that I probably found it. Um, And I started reading it and, you know, started realizing, like, (laughs) you know, the stuff that I'm doing, it's, it's not helping me and you know the stuff I was reading in the Bible was just like kind of it was unveiling stuff to me that like 
wow, I, I can I can have a different life, you know. I felt like I was at the bottom, just rock bottom, and that I had nothing. And I was like, I can have something. I can have something. I, you know, I don't have to, you know, live this way anymore. Um, so I, I slowly just started, you know, reading the Bible more and more, like, you know, verses that um, my friend would give me, and she would just be like, here, read this. It's so good. Just read it. And I'd be like, okay. You know, I would slowly read it and read it. And um, it just kind of came to a point where I was just like, okay, yeah, I, I want to do this. You know, I, I want to change my life. I don't want to be like this anymore. And, um, so as I was doing that, I remember one night, um, one of my best friends, like from through high school and continued on while I was in school, he, um, you know, called me up when I was at work and was like, "Hey, we're gonna go out tonight." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, cool. You know, I'll call you when I get off work or whatever, and we'll go." And um, and I knew that if I were to call him, that I would go out and do things that. I don't want to do anymore. And um, I turned to Colossians 3. And reading that literally saved my life. Because if I would have gone out that night, I probably would have not continued on the road towards Christ. I would have probably that night, it it was probably make or break that night for me. And so I read Colossians 3 and, you know, just talking about, like, the things that I should not do anymore and I'm a, I have a new life in Christ. And so I was doing that and I was at work literally reading my Bible and I was like, I can't, I can't call him tonight. So when I got home, I didn't call him. He called me a few times and I didn't answer. And um, I even ended up having to let go of that relationship I had to end that relationship because I knew that if I were to stay friends and hang out and stuff all the time, I would just be doing all these things. Um, But I just... You know, things just fell into place for me. God, like, literally, I mean, it's just so incredible to think about how he lays everything out before we even know it or before we even get on that path. He's already laid it out. And he had everything laid out. So, I mean, and from that night on, I just was, like, I was serious about it. I was, like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live my life now. And there might have been, you know, a few major mess-ups after that. But, you know, each time I was just, like, no never again and I didn't do you know I didn't go out and get drunk ever you know ever again I didn't go out and do this or that ever again and from then it's just been I mean obviously we all still sin but from where I was to looking at to where I now I just my whole life changed and I went from having nothing I felt and having nothing to live for to having a whole new life in Christ and that um, living in him is like it's just completely amazing to see what it will bring you through. And, um, like, I just, I desire, like, to have more of that because I'm just like, oh, you know, it's so amazing to look back and see what he's done for me. I just, I want more and more. And for me, going back to New Mexico, I think um, it took my grandmother and one of my favorite uncles passing away for my heart to just be broken. And throughout high school, um, I was very prideful, too. I thought I was invincible. I was in several close calls in regards to being in car accidents where you almost die. And it was like 
God had a purpose for me and for me and my friends because none of us got hurt in those car accidents. Um, but it took um, just being broken, coming to a point where I knew that it wasn't me um, that was pulling me through this stuff. Because I, I thought, you know, even though I knew who God was, I didn't need God because all these good things was happening to me because of sports. And uh, it was just me, 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 me doing it. And he took, um, it took taking some way, someone away from me that I really cherished and loved to um, just really broke my heart. And it was, I, I'll never forget it, December, I don't remember the date, but it was 1998 when I uh, transferred to UMHB. And I just rededicated my life to the Lord, and the scripture popped in my head. First uh, John 4.20, how can I say I love God and hate my brother? I was like, I don't hate my brother, but I hate my dad. I literally hated him. So it was at that point when I went to Louisiana for Christmas break that I went to my dad's house, and I called him, and I sat in the car with him. And I said, you know, I can sit here and tell you everything that you did in my life wrong, that uh, everything you did that hurt me, but I'm not. I said, I invited the Lord into my life back again in 98, and I forgive you, because I was carrying around unforgiveness. And he said the words I was longing to hear all of my life that he never said to me. He said, I love you. And I sit there, grown man, I was about 23 at the time, just sit there and bawl for like 15 minutes. Never heard my dad say, I love you. Never heard him talk to me or relate to me. And he said the words I was longing to hear, I love you. And it was from that point on that, you know what, I said, I'm going to treat people like I want to be treated. Um, and I do it today. Uh, I tried not to ever meet a stranger because you never know when you're entertaining an angel. And that is so true because um, I was in a, not an incident, but a situation uh, about a month ago. I'm, me and one of the ladies that worked with me, we were sitting down together and she she was talking about her church and I said, oh, I've been to that church, you know, this, that, and the other. And it goes to show you that don't talk about, you can't talk about people. And uh, she was like, so what do you think about the church? And I was like, oh, the pastor is great, this, that, and the other. And turn, come to find out the pastor was her husband. So if I would have said, so, you know what I'm saying? It, just sometimes you say stuff about people that, if, the, if I would have said something bad, I said, so what you would have said if I said something bad? She said, Oh, I'll just let you know that that was my husband. But I'm like, you know, um, but my point to you guys today, if you're holding any unforgiveness in your heart about someone else that did something wrong to you, guess what? They're sleeping at night. They're going on with their lives. You're the one that's hurting. You are the one that's hurting. And I encourage you, if you're holding any unforgiveness, just forgive Forgive the person, not not for, for them, but for yourself. Forgive them for yourself. And I, I tell you, after that conversation with my dad, it was like a weight was lifted. I, literally, it was like a weight lifted off of my shoulders. And you know what? My unforgiveness with him wasn't doing anything for him because he was sleeping at night. It was holding me back. It kept me from being the person that the Lord wanted me to be before I came to know him better. So 
again, I encourage you, if you're holding any unforgiveness in your heart against anyone, I don't care what they did to you, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself, because it's like drinking poison and wanting them to die. It won't happen that way. You can't drink poison and expect someone else to die from it. It just don't happen that way. And sometimes, uh, throughout my life, I had to let some friends go that were doing things that when I came to know Christ that I didn't agree with. And you guys may go through that in high school. You know, yeah, I want to do this to fit in. I want to fit in. I want to fit in. But I guarantee you, when you get in trouble, watch the people that come to your rescue. It won't be any of those friends. Ask yourself the question, are they my friends because of who I am or because of what I can do for them? We actually have to kind of wrap up because it's getting pretty late. Um, but I want to thank each one of you for, for sharing your story with us. And what I want to, yeah. It's so cool whenever somebody shares their story with Christ because you can literally hear a pin drop in here. I mean, I hear you guys, you're like listening intently to what they're saying. It's incredible. Um, but what I want to do each week whenever we hear from our leaders is uh, is really just kind of offer them to you guys. When we finish here, if you feel like you're going through some of the same things that they have talked about and you want them to pray with you, uh, pray for you, or if you're just lost right now and have no relationship with Christ whatsoever, uh, or if you are a Christian and you're really struggling, um, I want you to come forward and just talk to them when we finish here. Um, and just maybe you want to pray to receive Christ for the first time. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe you just want someone to pray for you because you're going through some similar struggles to what they went through when they were about your age. Whatever it is, I want to invite you to do that uh, this morning if that is you. And uh, and um, we're going to be hearing from some other leaders in the coming weeks. Uh, we'll be doing this pretty much every week for the next five weeks or so. And I hope that you would bring some friends, bring some people that um, may not know Christ. Uh, we had a couple of kids at our impact camp this past week pray to receive Christ. These are kids who are going to be leading clubs. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty incredible. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and close and pray. If you feel led to come talk to one of these guys up here or any of our leaders, uh, feel free to do so. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for um, being a God who changes lives, being a God who transforms us uh, from the inside out. God, we could try so hard to change things in our own strength, and yet uh, you offer us a real life, a true life in you. And uh, I thank you so much for the, the transformed lives that are on the stage, Lord, and the ones that you're going to continue to transform out here in the crowd. And I pray that... Um, that as we do uh, discuss what these real life changes look like and how we uh, don't waste our lives, that you would um, just inspire us, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be convicted of our own sins, Lord, and, and come to you in repentance and want to enter a relationship with you for those that have not already done so. And uh, we love you so much. We praise you in your name. Amen. We love you guys.